Coming up on Stu Does America, over the course of the pandemic, Dr. Anthony Fauci has emerged as one of the highest profile characters. Now everyone has their own opinion on Fauci, but one bipartisan question still needs to be answered. I don't know, should we have an unelected official with this much power and gravitas? Blaze TV's Steve Dace joins us with his answer from his brand new book, focusing on the New York immunologist. And when you think of Andrew Cuomo, what do you think of? Lies? Uh, intimidation? Sexual harassment? Being awful? Of course, also naturally, him being a superhero, right? Only if your name is Andrew Cuomo, apparently, and you're writing a self-aggrandized book of fiction on your pandemic response, maybe then you think he's a superhero? We'll get into these disturbing details today. Thank you so much for being here tonight. It's gonna to be a great show. If you would like, uh, please take a minute, head over to my Instagram page, at Stu Does America. There, you can give me a follow and hit the link in the bio to find all the platforms to stream this show completely free or help support the network that supports this stupid show with a subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. The liberal politicians feed the media. The media feeds the left. The left feeds social media. And social media feeds the politicians. Now, I don't want to get sued by Disney. Uh, so let's not, you know, let's not admit that we're making a Lion King reference. And we'll do tonight the Circle of Grift. Stu does America. Welcome, welcome, welcome to April Fool's Day. Yes, it's the day. Honestly, I'm ready to lose April Fool's Day. It, it was fun for a while when I was a kid. We lost it during the pandemic last year. It was a pandemic casualty in April of 2020. Nothing could be funny at that time. So we lost uh, April Fool's Day and honestly didn't miss it that much. Today, a bunch of brands are making really dumb jokes and trying to become relevant in your life. And I, it, it's irritating to me frankly, at this point. Plus, there's so much weird stuff going on uh, online uh, from the media, from the left, from our politicians that I don't know that we need April Fool's Day anymore. Uh, there's no way to detect on any day what is real and what is what is fake. I, wa I want to bring up and I want to start here with this article from CNN. I can't believe this is real. This has got to be an April Fool's joke, right? This has got to be an April Fool's joke. Here's the article. Listen to this silliness. Through, uh, though the two executive orders signed by Governor Kristi Noem do not explicitly mention transgendered athletes, they reference the supposed harms of the participation of males in women's athletics, an echo of the transphobic claim cited in other similar legislative initiatives that transgender women are not women. The, order, uh, the orders also reference biological sex, a disputed term that refers to the sex as listed on students' original birth certificates. Quote, it's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and there is no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth. What the hell are you talking about? Every, every birth certificate has male or female on it. Why? because we all freaking know the process. We know, however the little jingle jangles down there, we know if it's a male, we know if it's a female. That's the way it works, we all understand it. And we're supposed to deny reality and act as if we don't understand what makes a boy and what makes a girl. 
you know, for a while they were pushing this idea that, you know what, you don't understand. Gender and sex are different. Gender and biological sex are different. Ellen told us long ago that uh, sex, you know, that might mean what your parts are, what your biological parts are. But gender, gender identity is more about how you feel in your head. It's a feeling you have in your head. And look, that might be interesting to some people. Like, I, you might be interested in, in someone's feelings that they have. That's, that's fascinating. I'm sure it can make for a really interesting case study. Uh, we can read about it in a, in a book. You know, I mean, it might be something that's interesting. It's not interesting for a government forum, though. What, what feeling you have in your head makes no difference to anyone but you. It's, it's your thing. You, you can say whatever you want. Feel however you like. What's important, of course, is biological sex because it talks about physical characteristics, which is what is important in something like sports. And we're at this point now where, like, if I just say I'm something else, you're supposed to believe I'm something else. And this is not like some left wing ideological crazy you know, website. This is supposedly a news website. CNN is telling us there's no consensus as to what biological sex means. Now they've given up on the whole, well, gender and sex are different thing. Now we don't even know what sex is. This is crazier and crazier. And I want to take you back to only a few years ago. This is from 2016. It's from a uh, wonderful program called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I think this, would, this is cancelable today. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. But watch this clip. Uh, the, it's, about, it's in a court trial, as you will see. Um, it's about a woman who is having a little transition of her own. Maureen, you are the sister of Bill Ponderosa, and it was at your wedding that Liam got attacked. Yeah. Mm. Your Honor, nothing represents the tragic aftermath more than the dramatic transformation of this woman. Uh, into cat. Excuse me? As I transition from woman to cat, I must insist on being referred to as a cat. Objection. She's not a cat, Your Honor. If the witness wants to consider herself a cat, I will allow it. This is every real conversation we have now. And we're to CNN is like the cat person telling us it's OK if they say they're a cat to be a cat. That's not what makes you a cat. A cat is an actual thing. We have a word to describe a thing. You can't just say you're the thing without being the thing. I, I, we are in this bonkers land where everybody is just saying things that they absolutely know are false. What is happening? I'm sorry. This is just like you can have all the feelings in your head that you like. Here are the facts. Here's the, here is the truth. We need to stick to the truth. I mean, this is just bizarre. The same thing is happening with the Georgia law right now. Listen to Joe Biden talking to uh, Sage Steele of ESPN about uh, the developments in the world of sports when it comes along, uh, comes around to the uh, Georgia voting laws. What do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their all-star game out of Atlanta because of this political issue? I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. Oh. I would strongly support them doing that. Shocking. People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Mm -hmm. Look at what's happened across the board. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these, in these various sports.
And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what oh they're God. doing in, in Georgia and 40 other states. Uh, what it's all about. Imagine passing a law imagine. saying you cannot oh provide water. Water? Or food for someone standing in line. Water? Can't do that? Water? Come on. Come or you're going to close a polling place at 5 o'clock when working people just get off? This is all about keeping working folks and ordinary folks that I grew up with from being able to vote. This is insane. This is absolutely insane. I don't know how else to say it. This is just someone who's not even remotely connected to the truth. First of all, water can be provided by the people who work at the polls. It can be provided on a self-service station. It can be provided by the person in line who went to vote. It can be provided by third parties, as long as it's just a few feet away from the actual line. Does that matter to anyone? No. Oh, they can only vote until 5 p.m. Does it matter that that 5 p.m. hour is in an hour that was added to the law for early voting? And in fact, it expands to past 5 to 7 o'clock in other weeks. This is, a, this is a bill that, without question, adds to the access in people uh, in Georgia to vote, for people in Georgia to vote. It adds to it, doesn't subtract to it, adds to it. This is bonkers. Jim Crow on steroids? You're saying that they, the fact that people in Georgia can't get water from a third party without walking nine yards is worse than Jim Crow? Do you know how insulting that is to people who actually went through the Jim Crow era? It's unconscionable. How about this? This is somehow worse from Zoe Lofgren. Here it is. The 2020 election has underscored the urgent need for transformational democracy. I can't even across listen to this across the nation. Americans experienced unprecedented voter suppression. This is a country that did not allow blacks to vote for a large part of its history. This is a country that suppressed the vote of one of the two genders for a good chunk of this country's history. This is a country that had people getting attacked on the way to the polls, that had that passed poll taxes, poll taxes to eliminate people uh, who had uh, who didn't have enough money to vote. That happened here. What are you talking about? This is insanity. It's not even remotely connected to reality. This is a psychological disorder. They don't even care about what's actually happening. They will just say anything because it continually feeds them. This is the circle of grift that we named the show after today. It's a constant circle. And yes, we kind of talk about how it goes from politicians to social media. And it goes through that, that entire cycle of coverage that keeps feeding itself and feeding itself and feeding itself all along. But it goes even further than that. I mean, it just it basically starts with vote Democrat. Why should we vote Democrat? Well, we have to stop racism in this case. Well, is it stopped? We voted Democrat. Is it stopped? Well, no, it's even worse than we thought. It's Jim Crow on steroids now. All right. Well, now what do we do? Well, we got to do something. What should we do? Vote Democrat. 
Why? Well, we got to stop racism. Is it stopped? No, it's even worse than we thought. Now what? We got to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. Why? Well, we got to stop racism. Is it stopped? No, it's even worse than we thought. Now what? We got to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. Over and over and over again. I mean, look at the NBA uh, situation for a second. What do they do? NBA, it was so bad. The George Floyd thing, all of the other stuff going on in our country was so terrible that the NBA players just couldn't bounce the basketballs for their millions of dollars. They just couldn't find it because they were so brave and had so many strong viewpoints about our country that they just, I'm so sorry, couldn't play basketball for $23 million a year. So what did they do? They sat out a game. Oh, what a dramatic statement. And they sat out of that game and they didn't play a couple basketball games. And then you know what? They decided to come back. They decided to come back. Why? Because we did something. What did we do? We opened up the arena so people could go vote. Vote for who? Question mark. Democrats. Why? Well, we have to stop racism. Is it stopped? No, it's even worse than we thought. Now what? We got to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. Over and over and over again. The answer is always the same. Give these same terrible politicians more power and they will solve your problems until they find out it's even worse than they thought and you need to do it all over again. If you fall for this, you're dumb. They're doing it over and over again to you. If you fall for it, you're the problem. You're an idiot. I'm sorry, it's just that clear. You keep falling for the same dumb tricks. The greatest voter suppression in American history is an absolute crime of logic in this. And people keep falling for it over and over again. If you do this, if you fall for this, it's your fault. Not their fault, your fault. You're the dumb one. You're the one who is butchering what this country stands for. And it's just, it's fascinating to me that this can happen over and over and over again. Back in a second. All right, Scoremaster, they could be the difference between getting whatever deal they offer you on a home car, credit card, you know, some crappy deal, or you can get the best deal and save a lot of money. How is that possible? Well, Scoremaster can get your credit score higher. They know how to do this. They've reverse engineered this whole process. They know how it works. They can add 61 points to your credit score in 20 days or less. But get this, you can add 33 points in just a few days. It's a game changer. If you're going to be going in for the next few weeks, maybe you're looking to buy a house. Maybe you're looking to buy a car. You want to get that credit score where it should be. Uh, even if you have a great credit score, ScoreMaster can help you improve it from there. It can show you what happens if you maybe spend too much or you have an identity theft program. No one else understands the credit system better than ScoreMaster. ScoreMaster is so valuable, the average person logs in almost five times in a month. It's because they care. They want to see what's going on with their credit score. Uh, go to ScoreMaster.com. ScoreMaster is very easy to use. It takes a minute to enroll. You get to see how many plus points you can add to your credit score and get a million dollars of fraud insurance to protect your score. Go to ScoreMaster.com slash stew. ScoreMaster.com slash stew. Make sure to use the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. ScoreMaster.com slash stew. 
Happy to welcome back to the program Steve Dace, host of Blaze TV's The Steve Dace Show and the author of the brand new book, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. Steve, thanks for coming on the program. Always good to see you, Stu. How are you, man? Pretty good. Congratulations on the book. Uh, I mean, it's great. It's a great freaking title. <laughs> Just it really is a great title. Uh, is he the most dangerous bureaucrat in American history? Well, think about this, Stu. Um, everybody in your audience, everybody in everybody's audience, frankly, uh, all their lives, their homes, their families, their schools, their churches, their businesses. Uh, I mean, he single-handedly has had a hand in uh, turning them all over, uh, turning them upside down, maintaining some form of control over them to the point now, can we even go outside and breathe uh, without a mask? I would say that's a that's a lot of power, Stu. I, I would say it's more power than maybe anyone has maybe ever had uh, in like world history without a vote or uh, a, a sword that that conquered you. Uh, and it was just handed to him uh, because that's who the bureaucratic state anointed as uh, as Lord Fauci. And I think that's a dangerous, dangerous fulfillment of a lot of uh, prophecies from uh, people from the founders to President Eisenhower. And I think it's a terrible precedent to going forward, especially given, except when he appears before Rand Paul in the Senate, the overall lack of uh, accountability that Fauci has been blessed with having for the last year, too. You bring up kind of an amazing point in the book in that none of us knew Anthony Fauci's name like a year ago. I mean, occasionally this would happen in the past. Like all of a sudden we all knew who Cato Kalin was like out of nowhere. Right. Like, <laughs> and that is a little bit of a different situation. I was kind of hope we could aim higher, but yeah, we are. <laughs> Listen, in, 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 in an era where on Monday for the first time in a year, the statewide desert known as Nevada permitted you to go outside and play pickup basketball at a park. Mm. Meanwhile, the lung dart manuf the lung dart factories known as the casinos were open for you to lower your mask and inhale a carcinogen for the last, what, four to six months, eight months. Yes, we are in Cato Kalen territory, Stu. No doubt about that. Yes. <laughs> it is very strange, though. It's like this guy really kind of came into our lives. And, you know, he had been around, obviously, in, in health circles, but it was not someone that we were aware of and, and thought about on a daily basis. And then all of a sudden he was placed in front of us and and he was the authority and we had to listen to basically everything he said. It really it's a strange thing to happen to America. It is. In some respects, it's a fulfillment of everything that anybody that any of us that have ever spent five minutes working in conservative media have done the show, written the blog or the column or the book <laughs> warning Americans we could eventually end up in a place like, well, we are exactly right now. Uh, and, you know, it would be one thing if, if, you know, we got Einstein, right? It would still be too much power, right? If we got Einstein, right. instead we got the guy that says, I don't know, double mask. I mean, it only makes common <laughs> sense. Who knows? You don't need a mask or, um, you know, go on a cruise ship. He said three days before he told the country like Denethor run for your lives. Okay. I mean, it would be one thing if we got Einstein, uh, if we got Copernicus instead uh, we, we got a clown show who has way too cozy of ties with the Wuhan Institute for Virology. Uh, you know, you, you point out in the book and you go through kind of all these contradictions. Um, is that the most bothersome part of it? You know, someone that what, that is given sort of all of this credibility and, and authority th that did seem to shift on an awful lot of things throughout this process. 
It, it, it is the most problematic part of it, although it ex has extends into ev virtually every issue because we generated um, uh, we generated a process by which we are literally it's like FDR's fireside chats during the Great Depression. I mean, we got together every day for the White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing waiting for our marching orders. And when you so when you put the so much power in the hands of such a singular individual, this entire process rises and falls on their capabilities and integrity. And so whether it is why are we giving millions of dollars to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to why do you have a different opinion depending on who you're talking to or depending on which day of the week it is or which way the prevailing political winds are blowing. Yeah, uh, it's very problematic. And this is this is why, you know, there was another, hey, this is the number one selling book in America right now, but like the number one selling book of all time had a very, uh, has, has lots of great sayings. One of them would be wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Uh, the, you know, one of the most, I think, mystifying things of this entire last year, Stu, is how many experts from like major centers of academia Oxford, number one university in the world. Harvard, maybe the number one university in the country. Yale, if, if it's not Harvard, it's them. Stanford, a top five university in the country. These are major academic centers of elitism where they're where they also taught that there are 57 genders and the world will burn in global warming in six months. And yet, Many of these experts at these places also from the very beginning said, this is junk science, flat earth voodoo. These mitigation efforts won't work. They've never been tried for a reason. What in the Sam Hill are we doing here? And yet they were ignored by Fauci and others in power all the, the entire time. It was almost as if unless you had one particular narrative, you were not permitted to have a voice at the table. And that just puts way too much power. You know, our founders gave us checks and balances and, and branches of government and layers of bureaucracy to avoid this exact kind of moment, Stu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, let me uh, go to something here. You know, no, I've known you for a long time now, and I've known you, uh, and I've always known you as someone who does not care who they're criticizing. If you believe something's true, you're gonna say it, even if it's someone who's on the right. You've been outspoken about, about these things for as long as I've known you. Um, is, is, this is a little uncomfortable, I feel like, for some people on the right. But it's like, Anthony Fauci is there and given this authority because Donald Trump gave him this authority. Mm -hmm. This is this is not, you know, Anthony Fauci can't really do much of anything without Donald Trump's sign off and approval at some level. He could have kicked him out of there at any time. He kept him in there the entire time. When I bring this up to conservatives in my audience, a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, he knew he would get a lot of bad press if he got rid of him. And that might be true. But if the, if we're talking about mistakes at this scale, isn't a big part of this story that Donald Trump did not act correctly? You know, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention the last uh, during those four years of the Trump presidency, Stu. But I kind of think anticipating bad press is not a good excuse <laughs> for not doing anything. Since getting up and breathing was bad press. If your name was Donald Trump, existing was bad press. Yeah. All right, so that's that's not a good excuse. You know, you know, we chose the cover photo, and I chose that photo mm -hmm. for a reason. It makes a statement. And in that statement, you see the president of the United States, essentially, uh, that photo says to me, walking away, abrogating your authority and mm. wall who remains one Anthony Fauci. I told my audience for four months last year, beginning in mid-April um, until uh, August, when it was clear Fauci at least had suffered some form of a downfall of standing within the administration that 
this is not how he's going to get reelected. He cannot get reelected on Fauciism. He is never going to out panic porn the other side. He's never going to be, you can't on one day, let's do a briefing. Here's how we're going to reopen the country. And then the next two days when Brian Kemp down there in Georgia does it, you stand there and rip him for it. You cannot do that. And so, yes, you, you cannot totally absolve you can't really absolve him at all, uh, pre former President Trump, of his culpability in the worst management decision of all time, known as 30 days to slow the spread. That's what made Fauci ascendant. That's what handed the country over to an unelected bureaucrat for an indefinite amount of time. Now, he didn't pull it off on his own, but let's face it, the, these governors and everybody else that we're rebelling against now could not have done it without him as well. So yes, he's on the hook for it. Yes, it's why he's not president today. It It's set into motion. Whatever you think it was mail-in voting that allowed them to uh to steal the vote it was mail-in voting that allowed them to uh reach a, a, another layer of their base they never could before whatever you think happened on november the 6th there's no there's no question that that voting process was only put into place because of the of the fact that trump handed the country over to anthony fauci for all of that time and that set in ultimately and ironically set into motion the wheels that led to his ultimate demise mm. and you were clear from this, you know, from the beginning. I mean, it was implicit in your President Fauci criticism. Uh, you know, it's you have a, a chapter in the book titled that. You said that from the very beginning. Do you, was it correct? I, I think that there was a lot on the right, a lot of, uh, of this incident, uh, this sort of vibe where people would use, they were criticizing the, the shutdowns and they would use Fauci as the target for that because they didn't want to say what you were saying. They didn't want to say, mm -hmm. hey, Trump is, is, is dropping the ball here. And I, I don't know if it was, did that get to Trump? Because eventually it did. Eventually he seemed to shift, uh, shift the way he did, uh, that he was handling this, but it, it may have taken too long and it may have cost him in a big way. It did take too long. It did get to him. It was it was unfortunately too late. Scott Atlas should have been needed to be brought in two or three months earlier. The messaging that the president was on when he got out of the hospital from COVID, he needed to be on several months earlier. There was a lot of conflict, I'm told, in the White House, a lot of different voices of who they should or shouldn't be listening to. I never understood why they at least didn't entertain. Hey, I understand why they don't want Steve Dace from Grand Rapids Community College to debate <laughs> Anthony Fauci on COVID policy. Mm -hmm. How about Sunitra Gupta, epidemiologist at Oxford? Can she do it? Maybe. You know, how about John Ioannidis, uh, you know, world population health expert at Stanford University? Is he allowed? Is he permitted in? I think they should have pitted these experts against each other from the very beginning, in the middle, at the end. And they never did in order. I mean, who doesn't when they're told if, if Stu, if you were told there's a mass on your scrotum and we have to remove a massive part of your scrotum <laughs> for testicular cancer. Right. You're thinking, first thing you're thinking is I'm going to need a second opinion. Right. <laughs> right yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I, doesn't mean, doesn't mean you won't like, you'll, you're going to like the answer of the second opinion. Right. <laughs> but the first thing you're thinking before you go home, honey, I've got some very bad news before you, before you impart that news, <laughs> you're going to think I'm going to get a second opinion just to make sense, just to make sure of this. He never got one, Stu. He never went and got a second opinion. It was whatever Debbie bedazzle your face shield Burks and whatever Anthony Fauci's happened to say he just went with. And I think that fact more than anything else did him in. And I think what conservative media was way too leery about 
is that Trump's base were children that you weren't. Uh, and yeah, there was a cultic aspect to it, but it was that was about this much of his base compared to how many people actually voted for right. him. And and what I found last year, hey, I was concerned at first, too. Man, I really don't want to relitigate the 2016 election. And it kind of feels like I'm going to do that if I go down this road. Mm-hmm. But what I found is if I had the data and I hit Trump actually from the right his base flocked to our show. Our show grew by 200, 300% last year. And so we did not have to treat Trump's base as children. We could, it, it, what you can't do is you can't Jeff Flake Trump to his base. You can't Ben right. Sass Trump to his base. You can't hit him from the left. You can't hit him from, why aren't you nicer? His base doesn't care about that. But if you hit him from the right, you know, his base comes from the right, most of it anyway. And so if you come from that perspective, his base will then turn around eventually and say, yeah, why didn't you do that? I don't know that you're going to find a single Trump voter that's going to say to you, no, I'm really glad that you never fired Anthony Fauci. I doubt you'll find a single one of the 70 plus million that voted for him that would say that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, you also have a, a, a chapter about my favorite person to talk about, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, <laughs> you're sucking me I in on the book I almost dedicated here. that chapter to you, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Decided uh, not to. You, yes. you title it Andrew Cuomo, the, the first bishop of Fauciism. Uh, explain. This is great. Because he practiced all the same tactics, complete lies, distortions, gaslighting, uh, flip-flopping, saw that it worked for his fellow New Yorker, Mm. uh, Anthony Fauci, doubled down on it, even then had the unmitigated chutzpah to write a book about his leadership where he went on a book tour while his own state was shut down. Uh, I mean, this is, and then, and he did this all with the blessing of Anthony Fauci, that essentially Anthony Fauci went on NPR uh, and when asked about uh, what was going on uh, in the country and specifically cited New York without prompting and said, we know that New York did it right. That's, that's in Fauciism, that's, that's equivalent to this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Mm. Okay. Uh, Upon this rock, I will build my church. That's essentially what he was saying with, 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 uh, with a longtime friend and Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo, the brother, they have been friends for years uh, on television. Uh, Fauci talked about calling Chris Cuomo up when he uh, um, had COVID uh, and, <laughs> and asked him, hey, are, you know, I wanted to check on you and make sure you were feeling well. I mean, this is just all one swampy bureaucratic construct. These guys have been friends for years. They're from the same community. And all you saw Andrew Cuomo do was follow the Fauci playbook. Mm, and it's amazing, too, because I, I, I do remember that praise of uh, Cuomo uh, from Fauci, but I have not heard criticism, considering he was hiding uh, all these deaths in nursing homes and all the yeah, other. And when asked about it recently, Fauci said, and I have this in the book, too, I can't really talk about that right now. It's just like Chris so Cuomo. Uh, so that, that was basically the Chris Cuomo way of handling his yep. brother. Unbelievable. The book is Fauci and Bargain. Uh, <laughs> great title from Steve Dace, the most powerful. Well, not, well, Steve Dace isn't the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. I That's, wish I were. <laughs> you are, the, the world would be a lot different. I will say that. Yes, uh, yes. Steve, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Don't forget to check out Steve every day on Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show, but you can watch a smart show with Steve. You'll save 10 bucks on that subscription uh, when you do so. Steve, thanks for coming on the program. Anytime, brother. Take care. All right. Back in a second. Stunning developments from New York. Andrew Cuomo is corrupt. Who knew? Not me. I knew he was awful, but I didn't know he was corrupt. Uh, As the coronavirus subsided in New York last year, Governor Andrew M. Cuomo had begun pitching a book proposal that would center on his image as a hero of the pandemic. But by early last summer, 
both his book and image had hit a critical juncture. Mr. Cuomo leaned on his top aide, Melissa DeRosa, for assistance. She attended video meetings with publishers and helped him edit early drafts of the book. But there was also another more pressing edit underway at the same time. An impending health department report threatened to uh, disclose a far higher number of nursing home deaths related to the coronavirus than the Cuomo administration had previously made public. So we all we know now that not only was the book coming out and Cuomo was sitting here uh, knowing about this report that was coming out and eventually his top aide uh, edited this report. But in addition to that, they were working. These government employees were working on his book. They have text messages they go through here about aides doing things they didn't want to necessarily do to help him uh, finish this book. Um, and that's all in here, and it's, it's good from the New York Times. They go through the corruption, and they actually do a really good job going through it. And they have done a good job on Cuomo in the last few months. I was very upset with their coverage early on because they were ignoring all the bad things that were going on in New York, uh, to my uh, taste. But they did, they, I will say they've come around, and they've, they've been hammering Cuomo lately. Um, the publisher declined to comment on how much cash Andrew Cuomo made on this book, um, but it is rumored to uh, have he is somehow rumored to have taken in four million dollars off of this because there was a bidding war apparently over it, which uh, is Crown Publishing. I, I got to say you deserve the crap you're getting for this because you should never have bid on this book in the first place. Anyway, uh, they, as the New York Times puts it, it's a large sum for an author whose previous memoir, All Things Possible, from 2014, sold fewer than 4,000 copies. Four thousand. Uh, so they go through all the uh, the different allegations uh, <laughs> that are going on around Cuomo. But I think the most interesting part of this are the new uh, newly discovered details of the draft of Cuomo's terrible book. The draft contained <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it didn't have any of the report, of course, nothing about the health report. That's not important. But it does contain a three page long broadside against Mayor Bill de Blasio, the governor's fellow Democrat and frequent political foe, which was cut from the final manuscript. He characterized the mayor as a, a political opportunist, having, quote, very little interest or aptitude for government policy or government uh, governmental opera operations. Mr. Cuomo also compared his popularity rating to that of the mayor. My popular rating in New York City has always been higher than his. Ugh, who is this guy? It's terrible. He wrote uh, that he wrote about his popularity and denigrated Mr. de Blasio as being, quote, viewed as one of the worst mayors in modern history who suffers from, quote, obvious ego driven narcissism. <laughs> this sounds incredibly familiar. Just going to. De Blasio's standing is somewhere between negative and irrelevant, Mr. Cuomo wrote in the early July. This is unbelievable. I, he may have had a ghostwriter on this one. Before comparing him unfavorably to President Trump. Quote, he is just annoying and counterproductive. Trump is a serious threat. Mr. Cuomo's self-assessment, however, was often less critical. Quote, can you imagine writing? Oh, take a minute. You're a normal person living a normal life. Like the people you deal with, they're probably pretty normal. You have normal conversations with people. They seem pleasant, smart, uh, you know, just people that you just run into, you, you do business with. They seem like good, normal people. And then you have people in the world who are like Andrew Cuomo. Can you imagine writing this about yourself? I have experience and a skill set 
that qualifies me as a good governor. I have accomplished by any objective standard more than any governor in modern history. But I am not a superhero. No one thought you were a superhero. Nobody. No one thought that. If I had better uh, knowledge of crappy superhero movies, I would tell you the only superhero that you sound like, General Zod. Can we come <laughs> He's basically General Zod, except not as cool. You know, he's the really dumb, mute, uh, bad superhero in Super Superman 2. That's who he is. The, the really tall guy doesn't really do anything except grunt. That's Andrew Cuomo. Uh, so there you go. Andrew Cuomo update for you. AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com. Of course, you can get all your Andrew Cuomo is awful merchandise. I, again, this stuff keeps building. We're not going to get resolution to this until this report comes out from Letitia James. When it comes out, if, he, if she goes after him, like she might. And the only reason I say she might go after him is because she wants power too. So she might try to take Andrew Cuomo out here. If she does that, he's toast. If she just plays nice uh, and around the fringes and doesn't give us anything new, then there's a good chance he survives this, though whether he can actually win re-election, uh, even in a primary, is, is highly questionable at this point. Uh, he is a lot of things. Uh, he's a liar. He's got an incredible ego about God only knows what. I mean, he's been a disaster as governor, uh, and he's you know, responsible for thousands of people not being alive that should be alive. But we do know that he is a corrupt and a liar, and also Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. <music> Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging, really challenging. Especially when you're like in California, they won't even let you out of your house, let alone go to somebody else's to try to buy it. That's why I need a real estate agent who is coming in, taking charge, is going to know the lay of the land, is going to know uh, where the right person is to help you make your home, you know, beautiful to, to be sold, or knows where to go and get the best deals. Like there's a street near us, a couple of school districts butt up uh, next to each other. And on one side of the road, it's... Um, I don't know the, you know, the, all the lines, but like town A is on one side of the road and town B is on the other side of the road. If you live on one side, you get the taxes, which are lower from town A, but you still have the school systems of town B, which have better schools. A really good real estate agent is going to know right where those little quirky spots are and get you hooked up with the best places to go and look for a home. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find out the best uh, information you need to know about where you're buying a home how much you should sell it for, and how to get the most for your money. Realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Baseball. Baseball is back. American pastime is back in effect starting today. And I, for one, am thrilled about that. I love baseball, and I'm very excited that it is back. Uh, of course, America's team, the Toronto Blue Jays, were victorious today over the evil New York Yankees. Toronto, of course, on their way to a 162-0 season and getting it started the right way with a 1-0 start. Uh, so congratulations to America's team. It's great to see. Beyond that, it's going to be great to see them here in Texas in just a couple of days next week. Uh, they're going to be here in Texas, and uh, they're going to be playing 
at least the first game, in front of a very full stadium. Why? Texas has opened up uh, 100%. Uh, they are, the, as far as I understand, the only uh, team doing this right now. now I know, you know like I, I read that I think uh, St. Louis is a little bit less than half. A lot of stadiums are opening up more and more. If you remember just last, was it no, October or November when the World Series was going on? I don't remember. It was happening here in Texas, and uh, they only allowed 11,500 people into the stadium for the NLCS and uh, and World Series. So really, like, you know, the, the people who live here, generally speaking, haven't seen the stadium yet. It was, it was open for the first time uh, for the 2020 season, which didn't occur. So really, not many people around here have actually seen the stadium. They're going to go in there for that first series against the Blue Jays uh, next week, which is going to be really exciting. I'm going to be taking my kid to a couple of the games. Um, I'm pretty pumped up about it. But more than anything else, there is that feeling of a return to normalcy. You know, like we've gone past the point where we're, you know, you, of course you're going to hear these things from public health officials from time to time. But generally speaking, we're past the time where we're talking about lockdowns. We are getting to that point where we've got the vaccines kicking in. We've got, you know, some people like myself, a COVID-19 survivor who have some level of immunity uh, to the virus. Uh, we have a, a better understanding as to how these things work. And we're at that point now where, especially outdoors, there's absolutely no reason for any restrictions when it comes uh, to these stadiums. You want to you knock a couple percent off the top of capacity to, to show that you care or that you're giving some people some options. Like I think Texas is doing uh, uh, something uh, when they have like two sections that are socially distanced for people who, you know, find that to be important. Totally cool. I think that's a that's a nice option. But generally speaking, it's it's time for us to get back to normal. Uh, and we are now at the point. Texas is 16 plus for the vaccine. Anyone who's 16 or older can get it. Uh, when it's available to you, this is all we can do as a society. We, we can't just shut down. We can't just turn life off. We can't just uh, have an eternity where people aren't able to live their lives. The best thing that we could do, the only thing that we can do is come up with a way to treat this so that if it's out there, we can deal with it the best way possible. We're there. We're there. If you get your vaccine, you know, you wait a couple of weeks until you're immune, even if you're older, it's time to go enjoy the freaking world again. And uh, I mean, it's long past time, but it's it's it feels like it's been forever. But really, we're past the point of any actual legitimate, realistic excuses anymore. It's time for us to be able to go back and watch an incredible feat as the Toronto Blue Jays go 162 and 0 this year. Back in a second. You did it. You made it to the last segment of the show. You are one of the cool kids. Thank you so much for doing so. Please click like on this video and go to my Instagram page. Follow me there. Click on the link uh, to in the bio and you'll get everywhere you need to go when it comes to links and social media and all the fun stuff. I also ask you to think about uh, other more uh, needy people in our society at this time of year. Some people are writing right now with writing instruments that do not say Nancy Pelosi sucks on them. Can you imagine a life like that? Of course, if you know someone in that place, you can go to Nancy Pelosi sucks pen and get a real replica of the Nancy Pelosi impeachment pen that she used. By the way, before we go, if you're planning a gender reveal party anytime soon, I actually like gender reveal parties. Why? Because it reminds us that there are a couple of genders and it's actually okay uh, to reveal them uh, because they're real. 
And it's not this, this mystical society we've created where we don't know what gender people are. But people keep dying in them. You don't need a, it's not a death-defying stunt to find out if you have a boy or a girl. Uh, two people, four people have died in a plane crash as two plane, uh, planes crashed into each other. A dad-to-be died in a pipe bomb that went off as they were trying to do a gender reveal. And an exploding cannon killed someone else. Stop!